making a movie physically and mentally destroys you. You know, it just, it just does. It becomes such a labor of love that sometimes we neglect to look at it as a business. People lock into this idea that there is a correct way to do things. There's not. There's a million ways to do it. Video has become the most effective way to get people to do something that it is you want them to do. It's time for filmmakers to get real with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. So we're back after uh, a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Blondie was getting worried about us, so... Uh, <laughs> Blondie. We decided... <laughs> we decided. <laughs> so, so Blondie's been uh, hounding us to come back. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Um, we have an interesting guest today. Uh, I didn't realize this, but uh, this guy has directed a lot of television. Yes, he has. Dan Adius. He's directed uh, episodes of The Sopranos and yes. many other shows. Entourage. He directed like 10 episodes of Entourage. Yeah. Which uh, that's a that's a fan favorite, probably of a lot of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. He had quite a few of those episodes. What so, caught my eye was he was a uh, his first directing gig was a feature film, E.T. Assistant Director. Oh, that's okay. what caught my eye. Uh, but he he and then he did Silver Bullet. Wow. He directed Silver Bullet, but and that was his only. After, that was his only feature film. Yes, yes. Silver Bullet. Yeah, and uh, that was in 1985. But uh, yeah, he's done a lot of uh, just uh, uh, you know random television. episodes of television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made a great living. Melrose Place, Picket Fences. Uh, his name's Dan Adius, by the way, for anyone who's like, okay, who's, who's, yeah, who are they you talking did say about? that. You did say it. Okay. I yeah. just said it again to remind people. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's got a book called Directing Great Television Inside TV's New Golden Age. So you can learn all about him there, too. So, uh, yeah. shall we get into it? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, uh, Forrest uh, drove up to this guy's house and uh, got out his hey, microphone. He doesn't know that. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, is this a phone interview? Okay. Yeah, this is a phone interview. Uh, we are actually on opposite sides of the country, okay. Dan and I. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, <laughs> Now he's going to be afraid. He, this guy drove to my house? <laughs> I, I don't know where you live, Dan, so. <laughs> All right, here we go. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you. Boris, great to be here. It's awesome to have you on. Um, let's talk to uh, the people in the audience who want to be a director. And uh, I've worked in a few feature films, and everybody wants to be a director, but I don't know if they realize the amount of work that's involved. Oh well, it was. It of course, there's a tremendous learning curve. There was for me, in any case. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the, the the main aspect of the learning curve was to really develop trust in one in my own instincts. You know, there was a lot of things I came in thinking I had to, uh, uh, I had to have expertise I hadn't yet developed. And mm-hmm. instead of really, and I would look to others and I would, and I, and I 
presented myself in my early jobs. Uh, well, my first job actually was a feature film, uh, mm-hmm. Stephen King's Silver Bullet. And that was uh, fascinating because I was thrown, really thrown into the deep end because mm-hmm. I was given an Italian speaking cameraman, didn't speak English, we had to <laughs> yeah. communicate in broken French. And, uh, but features are a lot more forgiving in many ways than television because you have more time and you have a lot more support really in a certain way. And it wasn't, but so after that, while I was kind of waiting for my next feature, and I didn't really want to do another horror film, I was trying to kind of find something that was more, I felt closer to my sensibility. I enjoyed the experience and I thought it turned out pretty well, but I really, but I became very particular about what I'd accept. And and while I was turning down things and, and developing other things, television work came my way. And that I found, uh, Far more challenging in many ways because of the time constraints and a lot of other things. But at that time, television wasn't really considered uh, particularly compelling as an art form. But I, I wound up, you know, really finding my voice. I got so much more experience directing. So I learned a great deal about the process. And what I brought from my experience assistant directing, working with so many really talented directors, was I saw that each was unique, but each trust, the good ones really trusted themselves. And so I learned to really kind of use myself as the barometer for all creative choices. And I also grew to appreciate, well, this this I kind of came in with, but as the director, you're really storyteller. So I realized that it became very important to me to define whatever story I was hired to do, but define it in, in a way that I could care about. Because if I couldn't care about it, I didn't really trust that I could make anybody else care about it. But if I did, I would have a kind of an inner deep motivation to really communicate and really explore something that was compelling to me. So that became, that has become throughout my you know career since then, that is always the touchstone for me, is first, first define what's compelling to me about the story, define what the story is, and it's so much more than what happens. It's really the meaning of what happens. It's where you want to direct the audience's focus and attention to be most affected by the story and to define what's at issue in the story. It's not simply a love story or whatever else it is. It's like there's got to be something anyway for me that really is opening up uh, something truthful in human experience, whether it's comedy or drama, something that really uh, reveals something and creates the feeling of being alive when you're watching it. You're watching something true and alive happening. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do day one when you get a script, um, when you're looking at it and trying to get all these emotions and, and these scenes, what's going through your head? Well, I really like to let the, the script work on me. So I don't, I try not to come in with preconceptions. I try to read the material and let it just wash over me and then just kind of check in with myself about what affected me. What was I drawn to? What was I curious about? What what was I intrigued by? What bumped me? Where was I not so interested? And, you know, and but I had I, I accept going in that there's likely to be things I'm not going to follow or not really be grabbed by until I kind of have a deeper response to the material and see what's really going on. So mm-hmm. I like to read it a couple of times and I'll develop my own sense of what compels me about it. And then like in my work generally in television, you know, I, I will, as soon as I can, confer quickly with the writers, the showrunner, and really uh, inquire um, of, you know, of them. I'll share my, my response to it, but I, I really want to find out from them what compelled them, what was in their minds when they were writing this, and what was important to them. 
what was the story about it? The deeper layers of character and intention and subtext. And then it, then it becomes kind of an exchange. And, you know, sometimes it's very, very easy to connect. And I immediately get, oh, this is compelling for this reason. But very often, uh, even in those cases where I do connect right away, it's con- it, it, hopefully it's always a constant deepening and getting deeper into the story. So I try to first define that because that really has to inform every creative choice I make. I have to determine what what are what's the subjective state I want the viewers in. What kind of what subjective state do I want the the camera work to kind of foster in the audience? What's the tone of this particular show? So I'll so I'll you know watch I'll I'll, I'll acquaint myself as as fully as I can immerse myself really in the world of the show by watching other episodes, reading prior scripts. Because I kind of think every show is so, and this applies to a feature too. I mean, you're creating a world, and every episode, every series has its own sensibility, its own visual language, and I kind of like to think of it as as every show has, so that I can speak it in my voice, mm-hmm. not so I can mimic it, but so I can bring myself to it. But but you know, adopt the lenses of that show and look through those lenses and then see what compels me and how, or how I would tell the story. I like how you say in your book that when you do an episode, it kind of creates a ripple effect on uh, future episodes. How, how does that like affect you when you're directing? Well, it's not just, you know, the episode I'm directing is itself a rippling from what preceded it. So mm-hmm. I have to, I have to, uh, you know, watch or read, you know, like in a given season, if I'm doing the seventh or eighth episode, I will always make sure to read the scripts that led up to mine so that I can, you know, I'm conversant with where the audience has been taken up till now and what assumptions and beliefs and expectations they have about the characters or about the plots. And that's also very important in directing the actors because, you know, they're always, or should be always interested in authenticity and truthfulness. And and that has to flow from what's preceded it. Then I also need to know where the stories are going, as you were saying. So, it, so it will affect. You know, I'll, I'll try to kind of uh, help reverse engineer something that I know is going to happen in the future. Maybe create the groundwork for it. Um, but I love that process because it really connects me to a life of the character and a life of the story. And it's like I'm I'm getting with the best shows, which I've been very fortunate to be able to to have worked on several of them. You know, you're really working with very rich material and I'm getting it's like a vast, wonderful, sprawling novel. And I'm coming in to direct a chapter in the telling. So I really want to uh, want to enhance the story, make it as uh, as fully, uh, you know, as rich and, and full of meanings and experiences that maybe the writers hadn't even kind of thought were possible, but have to have to be true to the vision of the story. Mm-hmm. What words of advice would you give to a new director? Uh, and particularly somebody who maybe who's done independent films and now they want to get into television because those are two different kinds of directing. What words would you give them? Yeah. I mean, it is a really interesting challenge. I mean, when you, especially if you're making an independent film where you're generally the auteur and you get to kind of take the story wherever you want and it's a, and it's in a one off, it's a one off situation. So if you kind of make a left turn where you thought you were going to be going straight ahead, you, you have that option to do it. And, and series television, it's really different. It's it could be you know it could be regarded as uh, a lot more uh, limiting, but I take the approach that I try to embrace the limitations as simply givens that I you know 
once I accept, I can be free within them. So I, I think when if you're used to your own making your own projects and you are you know given the opportunity to come in and direct a, an episode of a series, I think you really do have to recognize that you're on the one hand serving the vision of the story of the showrunner of the the writer creator who is like telling an ongoing narrative. So you've got to embrace that. You can't fight that. If you're fighting it, you're working at cross purposes. But within that, you still have a, a great opportunity to be creative in ways that a lot of people may not assume you do have. And that is, you know, and again, that goes to, you know, finding something that's compelling to you about this story and finding the appropriate subtext and imaginary circumstances for, you know, the character, for the actors to to enrich their characters. You can always make something more interesting than it first appears on the page if you really go deep, just as an actor really is charged with doing this. And maybe that's from my acting experience, why I like it so much is, you know, you know, famously, you know, one person playing Hamlet is very different from another person playing Hamlet. And even in franchises like Batman and Superman, you have different actors playing playing the same character. But we all know when we're really compelled by one more than another. And I think generally that's due to that actor hope very possibly with the assistance of the direct director exploring new inner imaginary circumstances and, and past and, and 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 backstories. And that's something as a director, it's very important to be able to focus uh, an actor on on uh, what would what you think would be compelling, and that it goes beyond just the actors. I mean, it's like you're also enlisting. It, it's a very collaborative well, film period is a very collaborative art anyway, but in, in series television, it is especially so because of the time constraints you have. But you have an opportunity to enlist the collaborative contributions of the people with whom you work. Primarily, I find by providing a vision. That you that you can articulate to people like and and specifics like as I've said subjective states you're trying to create or moods or 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 defining the story in an interesting way that they might not have thought about and then once you give you you help provide that to them then they can bring their own areas of expertise to enhance your vision and but it also became remains your job to say yay or nay it's not like if somebody has an idea you're obligated to take it but the more you're clear on what you're communicating and the more you're able to access yourself to to just you're your own barometer. And so if someone comes with an idea, you know, I always try to just check it against how do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. And if I feel it helps the story, I, I welcome it, thank the person for it and, and we implement it. If it's not something that I think helps tell the story the way I want to tell it, hopefully I will thank the person. But I'm but I take responsibility enough to say uh, I'm going to choose not to take that suggestion. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched an episode down the road from one of yours and seen something that you've incorporated into it? And you know what I mean? You mean, you mean an episode that followed mine? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. That That's a very exciting feeling. Uh, I, I remember directing an episode of the show, The Americans, which I thought was a great show. I don't know if many of your viewers have seen it, but it was really a great, I think it was about five or six seasons on FX and finished about three years ago. And actually, in my book, I, I just published this book called Directing Great Television. This came out in October. And I, I have you know, a few chapters are dedicated to particular shows and particular episodes that I kind of share an experience I had where I had, had a 
had a problem or a difficulty that I thought was impeding the storytelling or wasn't fully fleshed out enough. I asked for rewrites and I, I couldn't get those. And that's often the case because there simply isn't time many of the times. So how could I solve it otherwise? And in this particular episode of The Americans, I was given a scene that really stuck out like a sore thumb. And I, and inquiring about it, I found the only reason it was there was to establish a certain character who was needed, who was a priest, and he was needed simply to be established so that in the next episode, he could be someone who would conduct a, a marriage ceremony. And uh, I, I, you know, wanted my episode to work in a standalone way. And I also, you know, have an abhorrence for whenever there's a kind of stopping of the action in a story that the audience has no way of really integrating into the whole episode. It kind of uh, detracts from the episode as a whole. So I was fighting for how did I make this scene compelling? And right up to the wire and to the point we actually rehearsed the scene and it was being lit and everything else, I hit upon a way to reimagine the backstory of this particular priest in a way that would comment directly on the uh, the central conflict of the main protagonist of the episode, who was the scene partner, and uh, really bonded these two in an important way. And what I loved about that is it first gave gave the episode coherence and, and, a, and a reason for the scene for being there, other than simply to introduce a character. But what so, so I so loved about it is that in the next episode and in a few that went further, uh, this character became the perfect choice that this man would make to be the person who would conduct, you know, this sacred ceremony in his life because they had connected in a deep and profound way that hadn't been there in the subtext that was suggested to me by the writers. Mm-hmm. Excellent information. Uh, if it does, is there a way for people to get a hold of you? You got a website or anything like that? I do have a website, danattias.com, D-A-N-A-T-T-I-A-S.com. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, some stuff about me and the work I've done and uh, ways to contact me and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. And, yeah. you, got, and you got your book directing great television, which I have right yep. here in my hand. In, yeah. The subtitle is inside TV's new golden age. And I really share, it's not a how to book. It's really a book not, and not just for aspiring directors. It's really for fans of TV. Cause mm-hmm. I really tried to share, you know, the experiences of making, making some of the shows that have become iconic shows and what I what I hope people might get from it is to understand that when you watch a show, you know, consumers sometimes are so passive. They just think, OK, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. This is. Coming. But they sometimes miss the fact that each each show is created, it's handmade and it's a collection of, of thousands of decisions that are made on like on an individual scene, like where the cameras, where the act, how the actors are moving vis-a-vis each other. What's the setting that they're in? How is it photographed? All of those things are developed, you know, in prep and in the moment are the result of an exchange between, you know, the director and the and the director of photography and the actors. And, and there's horse trading and there's uh, there's uncertainty and there's all kinds of things. And I share a lot of that. And I think it's fascinating because what you see, it, I think it will help people know how to watch television because they'll have a better understanding that everything they're seeing is the result of a choice that mm-hmm. has been made. But if people watch it and they just fall into the story and it, and it seems seamless, uh, you're a success, Dan. That's right. That's the, <laughs> you're that's a success. The goal. 
people are just taken on a magic carpet ride. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Not everybody's interested in how television's made, but they want to just watch it. And, um, you know, I see my mom watch shows and she gets so into them. And and I watch them like, you know, where where was that light place and why was it placed there? And she's like, I I don't know. I didn't see that, (laughs) you know. Well, yeah. And, you know, that that goes to another thing that I I try to mention a little bit in the book, too, which is because uh, I have a love of stories and storytelling. And, and I think we all do. I think we all, you know, we're, we're kind of narrative creatures. We kind mm-hmm. of need stories. And I think what's interesting to realize, too, is we all have stories about who we are, who mm-hmm. we take ourselves to be. And we define ourselves in a lot of ways unconsciously by stories we're telling ourselves about who we are in life. And I think a lot of that just develops unconsciously. You know, when you're born into a family, you're assigned a role and you tend to think, okay, that's who I am. I'm the smart one, or I'm the dumb one, or I'm the one that, uh, you know, never quite gets over the hump, or I'm the one that always succeeds, or I'm the one, you know, all these things that yeah. we, we take on as our identity. And it's, it's very liberating to realize they're just stories we're telling ourselves and that there are other stories that are possible. And I think that's one of the reasons we love to watch other stories mm-hmm. because, you know, they give us other ways of experiencing life. And maybe we can even learn the ways in which we can rethink about the stories we've told ourselves about who we are. Thank you, Dan. That's some great information. Thank we you for us. I really appreciate it. So, Forrest, what are we going to do next? I, I don't know. Um, we have no idea. We've we've got like two years to plan, so <laughs> yes. uh, we'll we'll plan our next podcast in two years. We I really guess uh, we'll wait we to really hear what Blondie thinks. We'll we'll see if yeah. Blondie has any ideas. Blondie's probably in the nursing home by now. <laughs> okay, um, but I don't know. <laughs> I have never. This Blondie thing cracks me up. <laughs> we it's have a, a long running joke on yes. this podcast. Yeah, we have no idea who it is. Yeah, someday Blondie will be a special guest on the podcast. Well, um, speaking of which, if you uh, have any ideas for us, send us an email at getreal at borgus.com. That's getreal at B-O-R-G-U-S dot com. We're also on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a star rating, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is produced by Jeffrey Michael Bays. He's the author of Between the Scenes, What Every Film Director, Writer, and Editor Should Know About Scene Transitions, and... Suspense with a Camera, a filmmaker's guide to Hitchcock's techniques. <laughs> if you care. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't think what, anybody cares. I, I don't know. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is a production of Borges Networks. <laughs>